Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. And I'm Charles Rogers, and I want the record to show that I'm currently drinking a nice coffee, which makes me the gayer of the two of us. Well, I'm drinking a uh, La Croix, so that's also. Ooh, ooh up you're there. giving me some competition there. That's up I thought there. that was a. Uh... I thought that was specifically an LA thing. The oh, obsession no. with LaCroix. I love LaCroix. It's amazing. Is it LaCroix or LaCroix? Well, okay, so it's I don't know because I'm a pronounced, Oh, well, it's pronounced LaCroix, <laughs> but people who are like, it's kind of like when you say like Target instead of Target. Like you're just being fancy uh, for no reason. So uh, that's what I okay. Do. So I'm just, okay. I'm just doing that as like a being silly. Um, so anyway, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm all right. There's, you know, no new Star Wars content. I'm trying <laughs> to get into the uh, trying to get into the High Republic, but yeah. I can't get time to actually go to the bookstore and get Light of the Jedi. I'm I'm mm-hmm. trying to find time. I want to own the physical copy of it. Oh, uh, you don't have like a Kindle or something? You can't read it on I your do. iPad. I have a lot of the sequel trilogy books on like a Kindle. Uh, or rather okay. on my phone, phone. Okay. that I used to read on public transit when I lived in Atlanta, when I would take the MARTA. Because you know you know how the MARTA rail is. You wait forever for that thing because it's awful. Yeah, it's like 10 minutes in between each. I read a lot of the Journey of the Force Awakens and Last Jedi stuff on MARTA and then also in like various other forms of public transit. But now that I work from home, I'm like, I kind of want to own the physical copy of the High Republic stuff. It looks cool. I mean, visually, like, I don't know about, I don't know, is it just like, that's just like the art cover stuff or is there actual pictures in it? Uh, it depends. Uh, the, the like adult novels, which I know you're not interested in at all, no, not at uh, all. because they are for adults, right? but they, they don't have any illustrations, but I, I don't think the young adult novels do either. They are doing a comics run though. Oh, okay. Well, I might have to look that up on some free comic book website so I can read it. I'll buy the physical editions because <laughs> I'm that sort of human. How is how has your week been? This is unusual. This podcast is unusual, by the way, because we're recording a week after we recorded the last one. Generally, there'll be about uh, two weeks in between recordings if something is not currently airing. Right. Uh, but it's been about a week. How's Thrawn going? Um, well, I'm about at the same point I was last time I recorded this. So basically, nothing has changed in the World of Thrawn book. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I'm just not a fast reader. I can, I can do that. I think I'm like in chapter eight still. So, so he's, (laughs) they've left the Academy by that point. It's focused on the, uh, the, the female lady. I forget her name. The bull cut. Oh yeah. From rebels. From Um, rebels. I forget her name. Price. Uh, Yes. And a Hilda Price. Yes. She is the current focus of the story. She's being a sassy woman and I love her so much. She actually, you know, what's funny is this, this book gives her so much more like background, which I mean, I know that's what books are supposed to do is supposed to like flesh out these characters, but like in rebels, you know, she was just kind of a blah character to me, but then reading this, I'm like, Oh, you actually kind of like start to understand her or like her or, you know what I mean? Like she has a hard life outside of the empire. Like, She's just as, you know, trodden down as any other member of the, you know, the Republic. It's funny how, 
like some of the people who are the most fanatically loyal or become the most fanatically loyal to these regimes are people who've been beaten down and that's what they cling on to as a sort of way to mm-hmm. as a way to cope with that or a way to quote unquote fix that. So I liked that. Did you notice? I don't know if, if you noticed this because I didn't. I had to read his Wikipedia article. Are you at the part with the old governor of Lothal yet? No. Well, wait. I think she's talked to him at this point. I don't know if like, because he gave her a job. So okay. I think it's him. Because there's this guy, basically what's happening is he, this guy, it could be the same person you're talking about. He wanted to give her a, he gave her a job on Coruscant and because that's what she wanted and he wanted to stay on Lafal so he could take over her family's business or something i don't know it's very i'm, I'm like a little like lost but i, I it's fine that's I can okay just read it. <laughs> the, the governor i didn't realize that the guy like i didn't make the connection in my brain that one of the side characters from rebels is that character because he's so different in the book oh okay so like i'll have to watch rebels again then the book doesn't portray him in a flat, particularly flattering light. Okay, yeah, he's kind of like a skeezy kind of guy. I mean, in a, like, I, basically in a businessman kind of way, not a, like, an evil kind of way, just a, I'm just doing things for money kind of way, so. It's a neat arc, you know, to go from that to, to how he's portrayed a little more heroically in Rebels, but, like, Rebels never addresses that. Mm Mm-hmm. He's, he's kind of not a great guy when he's governor of Lothal. Right. But I thought that was interesting that that was another connection. Thrawn, the novel, the original novel, has a lot of connections to Rebels. The only real connection that Treason has to Rebels, because Alliance mentions the events of the end of season three a lot, Treason takes place during the fourth season of Rebels. There's a bit where Thrawn goes away for like a week and price is left in charge and that's when they blow up the refinery because thrawn's not around he's off dealing with the events of thrawn treason and then he comes back so they actually have a scene in treason that's a word for word a scene from rebels just told from thrawn's perspective see this is why i don't read because <laughs> it's, it's a lot it's a lot <laughs> this is why it's i just watch lot. rebels and enjoy myself and have a good time watching a children's cartoon and just am satisfied with disney giving me something simple to comprehend not to tangent off this but the it is a children's show quote you know quote so unquote. right but for the fact that it is a children's show um our main character ezra when he is kind of fighting, you know, stormtroopers in TIE fighters, or he literally is blowing them up and murdering these people. Like, I want to, I want to do, okay. If we ever go back and watch rebels and we analyze it, I want to do a kill count. I want to see how many times Ezra Bridger murders people in cold blood. Yes. You could say self-defense, but I'm going to just say that since he's a teenager, you know, let's see how many times this teenager is literally murdered, straight up murdering people who are just following orders from the Empire. Like, that's what Luke I want. Skywalker was 18 when he murdered thousands of people in the Death Star <laughs> explosion. But, but I'm saying, like, okay, with Luke, that's mass murder. That's different than, you know, individually, like, picking someone and going, that person's shooting at me. I'm going to murder them. 
Like, so Ezra is like selectively killing people. Whereas Luke was just like, you know, I don't care if you're a woman, a man or a child, I'm just going to blow them all up. Right. Cause they're all evil. So he's very like radical person like that. I and... mean, the rebels are, are terrorists. <laughs> Let's, that's From true. The Empire, there's a, there's a Twitter account actually called death star PR. Oh God. Which is the most hilarious thing. Yes. But it rewrites it used to do this for certain former president's tweets, mm-hmm. but now it just kind of does it in general okay. uh, after certain events that happened at the beginning of 2020. Uh, it, it lost its access to that content, but it <laughs> rewrites like these far right spin tweets as pro-Empire S-T-R. Star Wars tweets. <laughs> and hilarious. I think that is the most hilarious thing I in love, the world i love the internet. i love it but the internet is great the internet is just fantastic speaking of the internet yes and things that have been happening on it bradley i believe you have been uh compiling some news stories that have been swirling around in the past week uh yes. can you tell us a little bit about what you have been noting as the major events of not the past fortnight in this case the past week well, I haven't, been, it hasn't been too much going on in the world of Star Wars. I, for just record's sake, we're only talking up until about February 5th or 6th. Okay. So just the month of February for the most part. Right. Um, so the first thing I have, which actually happened um, recently, because this is going to come up soon, is the Golden Globes are coming uh on February 28th and the Mandalorian received a golden globe nomination for the best TV drama. Yes. I care about the golden globes. (laughs) I know what that is. That matters. It just got another one, I guess. I haven't really done the research on that to see how many awards it's won, but for, I know it did last year. It won a bunch of them, but I can't remember specifically Mm -hmm. what they all were. I just know. Good. Right. But this one, it got, uh, best TV drama, which I was interesting. So I don't know. I didn't look up what the like it was competing against. Um, so I can't like go in and be like, oh, it's gonna be this, and it's definitely going to win because you know, for all I know, it's up against like Fargo or something. I don't know. But there are other TV shows that exist. <laughs> he said with a right? degree that has the specific focus in TV you think I You think I would focus on multiple. this stuff more? <laughs> you, would, you would think, I mean, there's there's so much happening right now. No, that is, <laughs> yeah. That is cool that it got nominated specifically in the best because Star Wars, a lot of the time, other than A New Hope, A New Hope was nominated for the best picture Oscar and it lost to something I don't care about and don't remember the name of. But other than that, Star Wars it's nominated for and wins a lot of technical awards generally. So mm. it wins vis effects, it wins production design, it wins, you know, these design awards and awards for the production itself. It doesn't generally get nominated for major accolades like the best, right, whatever category. So it is cool that it is going to at least be in the running to mm-hmm. be nominated. Okay, so I found the list. Do you want to know what it's running up against? And just Golden Globes. Yes, I would like to know what it's up against so I can trash these other shows. Uh, because I'm be, not biased. I'm not biased at all. I'm a completely impartial 
uh, gay viewer. As we know, gays are the most impartial people when it comes to TV. That's why Twitter is always so calm after a new episode of Drag Race. Right, exactly. They always go into meltdown mode. Best TV or best television series drama uh, is go- Mandalorian is going up against um, The Crown on Netflix. Oh, so boring British people trying to do uh, The Queen again, but more drawn out. Right. All right. Uh, Ozark on Netflix, I think, as well. Jason Bateman really wants you to forget about Arrested Development. He really (laughs) would like you to stop casting him in these funny man roles, please. Um, Another Netflix, uh, Ratched, Ryan Murphy. Oh God, Ryan Murphy. (laughs) We were, we always, we always have a, a meeting before we actually start recording. And one of the things we were talking about in the meeting was my famous dislike of Ryan Murphy and basically every show that he does. So I have already complained mightily in other places about Ratchet, uh, his existence (laughs) in general. Uh, No, thank you. Uh, What else do we have nominated? And then the last one is Lovecraft Country. I'm going to say something that's incredibly controversial. Yes. I think Lovecraft Country should actually win out of that list. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you have a specific reason why? Or just a general reason? Now, I haven't watched all of Lovecraft Country. I haven't watched all of most of these shows. Okay. Uh, because I've been doing 80,000 things all the time, and I, I have less time for TV than I hoped. Yeah, I, I haven't watched... You know, from what I've seen of it, I haven't watched a lot of these current season shows to completion. I've watched a little bit. And of them all, Lovecraft Country was the one that I found the most unique and interesting to watch. Interesting. So the crown, the crown, the crown's good. The crown I've seen before. I've seen it before, even before it was the crown. Ratchet is just the Ryan Murphy show again. The Mandalorian, I love it. We're going to talk about how much I love it. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about how much I loved it and also hated it. It wasn't really that out there as far as a TV show goes. It wasn't doing anything that, you know, I hadn't seen before. Lovecraft Country, of all of the ones, is the one that was the most interesting, the most out there, the one. Plus, I mean, there's something to be said for the reclamation of that kind of sort of cosmic horror deal when Lovecraft himself was famously I think problematic maybe too light of a word that's a good way to put it anyway I I would give the award to that one although by the time the Golden Globes actually air I will need to have watched (laughs) the rest at least the late at least one season of all of these shows I don't know what do you think um so I've only I've never watched The Crown. I've never watched Ozark. So I can't say anything about those two shows other than I've heard of them and that they're very popular. Um, So, I mean, but they've probably won a lot before, so they probably won't win. Um, I watched like first couple episodes of Ratchet, lost interest, don't care. Um, I watched the first episode of Lovecraft Country. I thought it was interesting. I watched the second one it was starting to dwindle. And then the third one, I just gave up on that show because it was just too fucking weird. And I hated it. I mean, welcome <laughs> welcome to something with the word Lovecraft in the name. No, and you know what's funny is my friend who I was watching it with, he 
loves the Lovecraft mythos, right? He think he he read the books or whatever, and he loves the thing. He hated the show. Really hated it. And so I don't know if it's just because it's a Jordan Peele project and he just doesn't like Jordan Peele stuff or, you know, maybe it's just the way it was written or something. I just did not care at all about it. Like it just did not catch me enough. But as of my current standing of what I've watched out of the five, I like The Mandalorian the best. (laughs) So all I know is I think we can agree and I think we may be in the minority of the gay community for saying this. I don't think either of us wants Ratchet to win. <laughs> Although I feel like out of those, I think Ratchet has the most LGBTQ representation. Yeah, because for the main all I will bag on Ryan Murphy, and I will, I will bag on Ryan Murphy's work. I do not like the majority of what he does like the first season of glee the third season of american horror story and feud betting and joan which is the only time he has truly given the gays exactly what they want other than that i really don't like any of his stuff but i will say that he includes a lot of lgbt rep on his shows which is really cool and like i like seeing them successful for that reason. I think he marries it to kind of the Ryan Murphy aesthetic, which is this vibrant and colorful and everything pops. And is this very kind of, we talked last time about pageantry and like how that's a thing. Mm -hmm. And I think his shows have a lot of them. So maybe, maybe I'll go back and I'll, I'll give Ratchet a good hate watch. Well, I didn't realize that uh, our Golden Globes tangent was going to go on so long, but I have two more we news are, stories. So we I are keep TV going. people. <laughs> I know. We are TV people. I know. Will, I should have known that. I should have known that was going to happen. So good thing I did will, it first, you know. We will set this as like a, an introduction because clearly both of us have some research to do before the Golden Globes. We will talk <laughs> about the Golden Globes at a later time and we will see if the opinions we have expressed change. Right. Um, so in other news, uh, there was some confirmation on the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi series. It's going to start filming uh, in late spring of this year. So, which is interesting um, because that means turnaround time. We could theoretically see Obi-Wan series air next spring, um, which is I mean, not fast since we've known about it for a while now, but it is only six episodes. Right. So the fact, yeah. And the fact that it is a mini or not a mini series, I should say a limited series um, means that they will film it fairly quickly. It's also now correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. but I believe it is filming here in Los Angeles where I live. Uh, I actually heard a rumor that it's filming in Boston. That is an incorrect. So that rumor, I remember that rumor. Yeah. Oh, so you, I okay, believe you that. that was incorrect. I believe there was talk about it filming in Boston, UK, in the UK, and some people thought that it was going to be um, that thought that it was going to be filming in Boston, Massachusetts. I think there was talk of maybe it filming in Atlanta, uh, right. which 
I haven't heard anything about that here. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, to be fair, it could happen in a few weeks, but who knows? Yeah, use your magic producer skills. Look up real quick if they said where where Uh, it's filming. I didn't. I did. They didn't have a location on here, but I if I if it was going to be filmed in Atlanta, I would start seeing stuff for it already on the particular job places that I get my jobs from. Um, And I haven't seen any Disney plus anything in Atlanta for a while now. So I don't know if they're going to do it here. If, I mean, they could, I mean, theoretically they could do it at Pinewood, which is in Atlanta Pinewood studios where they film all the Marvel movies. Um, It's just giant green screens and everything. So theoretically they could do it. Or I don't know if they're trying to film it kind of like Mandalorian with the, um, what, what are they called? The hub or what do they call it there? I believe it's the hub. Set. Is it called the hub? I, I oh believe gosh. so. I'm sure people are screaming at us saying, now it's we, called the, we this. of all people should know this. Right. We of the two of us of anyone else should know the, the TV device that they're using to fill right. out his transition over to movies. James Gunn is using it for guardians right. of the galaxy. Oh really? I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Oh, I believe James, James Gunn is... No, Taika Waititi is using yes. it for Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, okay. Well, hey, that should be interesting it. then. No, I I thought I heard that it was in LA because I remember thinking, I'm right here. Oh, I'm I down see. the street. I'm down the street. I will I can quit help. my job. <laughs> I will help. quit my day job and and go to, to work on your set as a coffee boy or whatever. <laughs> right. I, I will do it. Please hire me. And then um, I also had one more news piece. This one actually affects you over in the LA area. Um, well, technically LA area. Uh, so Disneyland is permanently replacing the uh, Rainforest Cafe location in downtown Disney uh, with a Star Wars trading post store. This is not news that I'd heard before recording the show. Um, <laughs> so you're going to be... Other two I knew, but this I had not... Because I no longer work at the the physical location. I won't say exactly what I do for my day job. But I worked at a physical location mm-hmm. with a guy who was big into the theme parks. And I got all my theme park news from him. So this I haven't heard... That just makes me like make sad happy? Oh. that that well because I was on my last birthday. I've lived out here for a while now. On my last birthday, I was supposed to go to Star Wars Land. It was it's a milestone birthday. I'm not going to say what milestone it is, mm-hmm. but it's a milestone birthday. It was very exciting. I was going to go to Star Wars Land. I was going to buy a lightsaber. I was going to hug Chewbacca. I was going to drag my friends through flying the Millennium Falcon about 200,000 times. Obviously that didn't happen. So anytime there's new Star Wars news at Disneyland, I'm like, well, I'll just add it to the list of things that I'll be able to do when they're done having it as a mass vaccination site, which is what it really should be used for currently. Right. And that's all the news I got. So um... I have one thing that's relevant it's not really an official news story it's just something i heard okay so a rumor uh, but i did think it was i did think it was relevant enough to us okay to discuss here which is that the bad batch animated show mm-hmm. would begin airing on disney plus 
sometime in spring of 2021. Now I will preface this by saying I didn't hear this from any official Star Wars source. Right. It was just through the swirl of personalities and various podcasts and things that I follow were mentioning it. Right. But it looks like that may be the first of this new slew of shows to actually come out. It would make sense. I mean, just because it's one, the easiest to kind of pump out. Well, the animation, like they're hard for different reasons. Like if you go through, I was friends with a few animators and things. This was before, this was before I met you. So this was back when I was back in the Savannah campus. Back in the uh, 60s. And I spent back, at, back in the 60s before Star Wars was a thing. <laughs> back in the ancient days. Right. Um, no, I, I spent a lot of time because you had to take a lot of computer animated design courses. So this was a thing. And you, you know this, our alma mater, instead of doing like history and a math course, and things like that. They they had you take like intro to design, color theory, <laughs> computer Photoshop class. Right. Uh, so I spent a lot of time back to back to back and I was also really good friends with a visual effects major. So I saw firsthand, they're not easy to do. <laughs> these animated shows are especially the 3d Mm -hmm. animation it's interesting but from the look of the trailer it looked like they had a lot of it together by the time they showed the trailer at the on the investor call oh yeah i think i think it was mostly done by that point i think they just i think honestly it's probably it probably was all done they're just kind of either finishing touches or they're just kind of holding it because they don't have a lot of star wars stuff ready yet so they kind of were just like well let's just hold on to this for a couple weeks and then we can just wait until a good time during the spring when nobody's doing anything and then just blow here there's nothing on disney plus right now so let's throw this on there they may not want to uh they may not want to step on the high republic and the thing is with the high republic Mm -hmm. it's not a thing that's easy to market because they don't have anything easily digestible yeah so it's it's books and comics currently we talked about the acolyte last time which is a high republic era show but they may be spacing these things out because they kind of don't want to step on too yeah. much. And they, it also seems like they may want to move back and forth between different eras and not get stuck on one particular era, especially since a lot of the shows are looking to tie together in what's being pitched as a major cinematic event, which um, fingers crossed that we can finally give uh, Senator John Ossoff his Thrawn, loose Thrawn trilogy adaptation that he wants. Yes, that would be. Or a senator now, John. Yeah, he could make, make that this happen. happen. He could make that happen. I don't know why. Like, it's like, dude, you're elected now, dude. You can, you can help us out. You give us Thrawn content through you the can... government, and and we we will. I guess not me. Are you in? You're in John Ossoff's district. Yep. You're in his his area of the state i believe yes i am i had to vote for him i mean i mean how could i not look at those I mean, lips, have you seen you know him like, yeah have, have you, you seen him have you seen him in person like damn i have i have not seen him in person oh well he's he's he is such a daddy like it's so weird like to say but like he's a young dad so 
normally in terminology, right? LGBT terminology, um, you would say daddy is usually an older, wealthier man, right? Who takes care of usually a younger, less fortunate, you know, gay. Um, but People in have his started case, calling me that and it's it's extremely <laughs> uncomfortable reminder of the <laughs> fact that I'm leaving twinkhood. Well, now I would say that in his case, right? So he is not a daddy because in his case, he would be considered what is called a zaddy, which is a young, attractive, wealthy daddy. So that's what he would be for me anyway. He would be a zaddy versus a daddy. All I know is is we support people who wanted the sequel trilogy to be the Thrawn trilogy <laughs> exactly. in elected office. More of more politicians come out with your Star Wars opinions. Right. And if they're good, if they're good, we'll we will you. vote for you. <laughs> That's, I'm, I'm a single issue voter. And the single issue is whether or not you, you like Star Wars. have the correct Star Wars opinions. Exactly. Not even if you like Star Wars, because I happen to know some politicians who I won't name because this is not a political podcast have posted about it before. And I'm like, you're like, why? Get your get your hands off my your hands off my franchise. Uh, get your hands off my franchise. <laughs> this is not for, this is not for you. Well, speaking of franchises, um, I'm thinking with these new slew of Star Wars shows, we should start with the first of the Star Wars shows to kind of talk about. We won't go too heavily into detail this episode. I think we'll start probably next one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we should talk about the Mandalorian a little bit. Just a just a quick little blip about it before we talk about it next time right and the the sort of we're looking at starting next episode we're going to be our our sort of main tv segment is going to be looking at the mandalorian partly because you know we started recording this and airing this when no shows were on (laughs) right so we had to start by going back start by going back we're having to fill content a little bit in between, we're obviously, we're planning to have guests on. I'm talking to a few people right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're planning to do other stuff that's not just that. But as far as our main focus being TV, we are kind of having to fill this. And, you know, we might as well start with the first live action show. And then we can look at some of the others. I personally, I want to, well, I wanted to do uh, the best of all of the Star Wars movies, which originally aired on TV. Mm. Ewoks 2, The Battle for Endor. Uh, but I guess we have to work up to something of such yeah. masterful quality as that. Yeah, that's a uh, little to be too able to that. discuss it. <laughs> there's there's a lot of there's a lot of cinema going on with that epic <laughs> grand movie, gotcha. Ewoks 2, The Battle for Endor. But I had I have here, and, and we'll start with you. We started with me last time. We'll start with you. Okay. Just to take a broad look at The Mandalorian. Yes. And kind of our relationship with it, how how we've kind of looked at it over time. I have not one, but two questions here that I'll lob at you to start, Bradley. Okay. Is one, what surprised you the most about The Mandalorian when it first premiered? Mm-hmm. And how has it managed to surprise you over the shows at the time of recording two season run? Um, let's see, how did it surprise me? I think when I, 
uh, without going into too much detail with the first episode, I think when it first dropped, because was there a trailer for this? Yes, there were several, but they didn't like. They didn't show too talk much. a lot about yeah. what the plot was, right? For good reason, right? Because they didn't want to spoil anything. Um, I, I think I had seen like the first trailer or something. I'll have to go back and watch the trailer again so I can see like what they actually showed us. But I remember being like, "Wow, this looks like a movie." like very game of thrones esque like they put in a lot of money in this and they clearly want this to do well i don't see how like it could fail honestly just what just from that alone i mean i know that's like high expectations to have for like a a tv show but this was i mean theoretically the first star wars tv show ever and so live action right live action we'll 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 qualify as saying we are aware of oh. droids and Ewoks and yes. the original Clone Wars and all that. He, yes. he needs first live action. First, you're sure. right. Correction. First live action that actually came to fruition. Because I know that yes. in the past there were things that were planned. We will do an episode on Star Wars Underworld. I am familiar <laughs> with that process. Gotcha. We will do an episode on Star Wars Underworld and what happened with that. Yes. Well, I like I said, I I just thought the quality just from the trailer alone, I was like, damn, this is like cinematic quality. Like it looks so good. And then just the I don't even know if it was the grittiness or just the it didn't it looked very Rogue One-esque. So it looked very dark, very kind of like real. Less like I mean, the uh, OG Star Wars, you know, like especially with the new Disney ones. They seem on the surface very colorful, usually um, very, you know, like kind of funny at times and stuff. So this seemed like this was like, oh, this is going to be a serious drama TV show. Like this is going to be serious. So that was just like my first impression. And how did it, so the second question, how did it sort of surprise you over the the two episode one? Was there, the two episode run, was there anything that kind of choices they made, things they Mm -hmm. did that you were like, oh, I wasn't expecting this either in a good way or a bad way. Well, I think it, the first season especially leans very heavily on the Western slash lone samurai themes. So um, I have actually referred to the show in the past in casual conversation mm-hmm. as uh, Lone Ranger and Cub because okay. it draws on the Lone Wolf and Cub movies. It's basically a fusion of the Lone Wolf and Cub movies right. with the Lone Ranger TV show. And it yeah. kind of meshes them together. Yeah, it's kind of like that original, because like Star Wars was meant to be anyways, like somewhat of a Western anyway, like swashbuckling kind of action movie. Um, and so this literally takes the samurai movies, the old samurai movies and like the old Western movies. And it's basically Clint Eastwood in, you know, space, which is very interesting um, that they do that. And I thought I would hate this, like, on the surface because I don't like Westerns. I don't like old, you know, Asian samurai movies. Like that's not my cup of tea, but the motifs that it draws from those and then just the things that it picks and chooses from those different um, films and TV shows and stuff, I think does an excellent job, especially putting it, just kind of dropping it in space, basically. That set, that screaming you felt in the force was the sound of a thousand awful film students from our alma mater 
crying out in pain when you said you didn't like a movie that was before the 2000s. <laughs> Trust me, my uh, history of cinema class, uh, it was a struggle bus to get through. I can believe it. <laughs> I can believe it. I, I took the class at a different campus than you, but I feel like our experiences may have been similar. Although I really, I really liked most of the films we watched. Oh, see, we had to watch like Citizen Kane and then like The Shining, so. I liked Citizen Kane. That is a good movie, actually. That movie is like watching a book, like watching a book come to life. It's a good movie. So boring. It's, it's, It's technically one of the best movies just on a technical level ever made. And it's got so many good parallels to the Star Wars prequels. It really, like Charles Foster Kane and Anakin Skywalker. I have read think pieces on Charles Foster Kane and Anakin Skywalker and how their journeys mirror each other from people who spend way too much time watching movies and thinking about them. And I say this as somebody who has a podcast where he watches too much TV and talks about it. What did you think of it when you first saw the trailer? So when I first saw the trailer, I was like, I'm going to enjoy this. That was my first thought. I went... This is more Star Wars. I thought I was a little disappointed in how gritty it was when I first watched the trailer. Oh, really? You thought it was going to be bad I was because it's gritty? Not bad. I thought it was going to be something that I didn't like because I was never really a fan of the old Bounty Hunter books. I was never a fan of um, Karen Travis's uh, Republic Commando series and sort of the Mandalorians and then the stuff she did with Boba Fett later on. And all that that followed, you know, I was right. never really into that kind of seedy underbelly of the galaxy kind of bounty hunter thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I watched it. I was like, it is the bit where they close the door on the Quarren in the trailer. And yes. it closes the door and it cuts to black and there's kind of a chopping noise and the implication I believe it's the implication in the show as well is that it chops him in half. And I went, "Mm." but the fun thing about my actual experience with watching the premiere of the show at the time, Disney plus had dropped. But when I was doing what I was doing at the time was I didn't actually watch it when it premiered. I was doing a thing where from the moment Disney plus came out to the rise of Skywalker, I was trying to watch every single piece of Star Wars, mainline Star Wars content possible. And I had to skip some stuff. I had to skip Freemaker Adventures, which is technically canon-ish, canon adjacent. I had to skip that. Uh, But I watched the prequels. So Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, all the Clone Wars in order, Revenge of the Sith, Rebels, the original trilogy, Then I watched The Mandalorian. Mm. So it was about episode three or four of The Mandalorian that I actually was able to start watching it because I didn't want to jump around. I wanted to watch it in order. I had the big twist at the end of episode one spoiled for me a few days after. I brought it on myself. Yeah, well, if you watch it late. But what surprised me about the first season was how much I ended up enjoying after consuming all of this Star Wars content that was not about that, Mm -hmm. how much I enjoyed the bounty hunter stuff. 
Oh, I see. And because the stuff like, with yeah. the Bounty Hunters Guild, the stuff that I originally looked at and said, mm, I'm not really into this in the trailer, right. framed through having the important plot element of Baby Yoda in the mix almost kind of made me enjoy that stuff a bit more mm-hmm. because it threw a wrench into it. It threw a challenge into it that I wasn't expecting. Well, when you say Baby Yoda, I have no idea what you're talking about because as we go through the episodes of The Mandalorian, I'm going to try to reference only what we see as we go and nothing else but what we see as we go by the episodes. Ah, yes. Basically, no spoilers. You know, I have no idea what happens in the show as we're going to start going over these episodes. So I've never seen season two, wink, wink. I've never seen all of season one, wink, wink. Um, So Good luck uh, avoiding (laughs) the fact that Baby Yoda is a character that exists in the show at this point. I have no qualms about casually mentioning that, that existed. I I won't say too much. To the second question that I I had kind of posed, which was what surprised you overall. Yeah. I wasn't expecting, and I'm not, we will talk about this in depth in season yeah. two. I will go into all of my reasons for feeling this way. I hated basically every creative choice made in season two of The Mandalorian. That did not surprise me because I knew most of them were coming because I followed the leaks in the rumor mill. Uh, I knew everything was happening. What surprised me was that despite hating every single creative choice basically made in the second season of The Mandalorian, mm -hmm. I love the second season of The Mandalorian. (laughs) So much. You say that because I... I tell my um, roommates this all the time because we, you know, we watch TV shows together all the time, and we're currently going back and we're watching uh, Teen Wolf um, as That's one of our like go back ones. Good show that <clears throat> right. I watched for the plot. No, but that my, had a plot to it. I think. Well, I don't my, really remember right, what you the can't plot really was. tell because it's mostly shirtless dudes getting naked. I remember but. every instance of the shirtless dudes, but I couldn't tell you for the life of me what the plot of that show was. But what I what I'm getting at is, you know, we were watching the we just finished the third season of the show, and my roommate hated it because it has three seasons. Well, it has seven or six, I think, actually. Um, so we just finished the third season. But what I tried to tell him was that a lot of the times in TV is that the third season is what you would call the experimental season of the show, because you've already established your audience by the second season. You've pretty much gotten the major arc of the first season done with, right? And the third season's kind of the show writer or the showrunner's kind of time to kind of experiment. It's kind of why people hated the third season of Lost. I remember, here's the thing with Lost, because <laughs> the final episode aired when I was in my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I watched it with, and I am going to, to date myself here, uh, or not date myself, I am going to uh, out an uncomfortable part of my journey as a gay man, but I watched it with my college girlfriend, which I had. I know you're shocked. Well, but... the whole point of naming this podcast as Gold Squadron Gays is the fact that it's a play on the phrase gold star gay, which means you've never without had sex going with a woman. In, without going into detail, uh, <laughs> I am still a gold star gay. 
Okay, fine. Then we're good. We're safe. Why do you think we... What, what do you think was one of the contributing factors to us breaking up? <laughs> Is that I had zero interest in her whatsoever. Well, that makes a lot of sense. But to be fair, as much as you know about Star Wars, I don't think she had a lot of interest in you. So that is that is true. Let's let's be real here. It's interesting you bring up kind of TV and how it how different seasons evolve, and there's a way you can usually track them. Mm-hmm. Because I actually what the other thing that really surprised me about The Mandalorian, and particularly season two. I had in my head after season one, I went, okay, I can see how they're setting the show up. Mm-hmm. The show is going to be, he's going to be traveling the galaxy, doing this plot thing, right. following the plot coupon, and then it's going to end a certain way. Yeah. And I was like, this is going to be the emotional series finale is... This is gonna this event. I'm being really vague because yeah, I want to talk be about vague, it when yeah. we're talking about the episode. But this certain event is going to happen. The Mandalorian is going to make a certain character choice, and that's going to be the end of the show. Right. That was the end of the second season. Exactly. I, that was exactly. <laughs> they did what I thought, all yeah. of the stuff that I went. Yeah, this is going to be kind of be the show from here right. on out. They did all of that stuff in the second season, and I went okay, I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, that's why I'm so excited for the third season because, no, like What's I said, gonna happen? we have no idea. Because, like I said, usually the third season is the experimental season, right? You can kind of do whatever you want you, and without losing too much of your audience because the show is established and you've probably already signed on to do a fourth season. And so they're, the, you know, the studio is Usually like, they do three and four at the same time. They'll right. renew it so, for three and four at the same which time. Which is usually why you could kind of fuck around with the third season because without going too crazy they can be mad at you and be like why did you do that but you know they'll it's whatever because also, you can fix your it audience in the fourth is season. invested right so you can fix it in the fourth season it's not a big deal i chart and i've charted i frequently reference how to get away with murder because i consider how to get away with murder probably the best serialized television network television show of the last decade Okay. But I, I bring it up a lot because it, it has great examples of sort of how the first three seasons of a TV show generally works. So the first season, you have the characters and the plot that are developed simultaneously by the writers. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, they don't really think, they have kind of a broad arc of what they want the show to be, but they don't really think beyond the first season in terms of specifics. Right. So they've developed in tandem. The characters are defined a lot of times by their role in the show. Mm-hmm. By the second season, you often have what I call the second season boom, where you now have established characters, but you don't necessarily know what the plot of your show is going to be. So you have to build the plot of the second season. So you have these characters already established. And you can kind of build the second season off what would be interesting to put the established characters through rather than developing the plot and the characters simultaneously. That usually is why the second season of a show tends to be the best one. Right. Except in certain cases, it tends to be the best one because they haven't gotten deep into the mythos yet, Mm -hmm. but they're also the characters drive the plot rather than the plot and the characters being developed at the same time 
then you usually get into the third season that'll kick off like the rest of the show well i was gonna say so with mando um the mythos is already established in season one we don't need to know like we don't need to know what the empire is we don't need to know any of that stuff which is why i find the show so fascinating because all you have to do theoretically is have watched the first three star wars movies i mean watch a star wars movie really yeah honestly you could watch a new hope and that's it you don't even have to watch the other two because you could just assume that by the end of a new hope the empire is dead or something like you know what i mean like they kind of leave it vague right but you can just pretend that them blowing up the death star is just the end of the empire and then now you can watch mando and you can be like oh the empire's over and this is how they deal with it because they thought star wars was gonna bomb to the point right to the point where lucas like just fucked off to hawaii <laughs> to work on indiana jones i think it was indiana jones he fucked off to work on you mean uh harrison ford uh no i, I mean george lucas like they were developing oh, oh, indiana oh, oh, jones oh, oh. at the time oh i thought you meant he... you said they said luke not lucas that's why lucas. i was like <laughs> I mean, Luke also fucked off to an island uh, when he thought he'd fucked something up. Right. But Lucas, they thought Star Wars was going to bomb so hard and he was so burnt out and he was just like, I'm done with this. He didn't attend the premiere. Mm -hmm. He just left and he went to like Hawaii and was working on Indiana Jones. And that's why... They left Vader surviving in there as kind of like a sequel, a vague sequel hook, but it's fine if you didn't get another movie. And he was gone for like two weeks with no communication with anyone. He had no idea it blew up over the two weeks he was gone. And he came back and he was like the biggest thing. The biggest thing ever. But you're right. And it's, they set up even, you know, internally they set up the mythology of the bounty hunters guild and all that right relatively early in the first season and then it doesn't have a lot of impact on the full season so it's interesting that they don't have to set up their internal mythology yeah it's kind of like almost a shortcut in filmmaking right like if the movie established the world right so we don't ever have to think, oh, I know what a quorum is. I know what, you know, the bounty hunters are. Like, we just know what they are already because they're established. We know that that's a profession in the Star Wars world. And some people have that job or actually rather most people have that job because as we see from Star Wars, there's literally only three jobs in all of Star Wars. You're either a farmer, uh, a robot or a bounty hunter for the most part or you work for the empire you basically work for the government so that's pretty much it you're either a soldier a bounty hunter a smuggler of for a force user or a pilot (laughs) so to wrap things up i thought it'd be really fun um if we read a few reviews of the mandalorian tv show but only the bad ones because obviously oh. everybody's gonna say good ones right oh okay. i i like i like this idea this is a surprise to me by the way he did not tell me about this in our pre-show <laughs> meeting i am delighted right now let's let's do it this is gonna so, be like those bad reviews of empire strikes back i wrote i read to write my joke review Right. So I'm going to read a couple of user reviews. These are on um, IMDb. So I'm sure there's reviews other places, but I just oh, chose. I hate that website. I just Carry chose this on. one because it was easy because you have the ability to rate out of uh, 10 stars, right? So most of the reviews on 
this website are 10 stars. Most people love Mandalorian. But here's some of the people who thought, you know what? This is only a one star show. So the very first one is titled, This Insults My Intelligence! Exclamation point. Yeah, welcome to Star Wars. <laughs> said, very disappointing, very bad script. This was made for children, I hope. Again, welcome to Star Wars. I was like, wait, what? A children's, t- a children's franchise about magic space wizards. Right. I was like, okay. Now this one, I this is this review. I was like, are you okay? Uh, this person said, "Am I watching the same show?" Question mark. How is this universally praised? It's like a bad sci-fi show had a kid with a generic Disney Channel show. What? And then they I go on. I can't possibly say welcome to Star Wars enough. Wait, okay, wait, wait, wait. Not even that. Wait, this is where they keep going. They go, I came expecting something akin to Battlestar or Firefly, but got something I have trouble finding a comparison to. Every single episode ends the same. <laughs> so stupid like what yeah they they all end well i don't think this person understands like what a serial like like that star wars was based off of like flash gordon you know it's mando does a pretty good job of doing that like kind of you know it's a not monster of the week type of episode but the first season for sure is definitely like small little stories you know samurai stories like he goes to the village and he does this and you know then he leaves and then it's a the totally western, different story. right it's the western, the western format style that you mentioned earlier where right playing off that clint eastwood which is i i don't know if this person recognizes that or has seen movies before but it you know he shows up at a place and does a thing and yeah. helps the people and then he leaves that is that is how these Western movies, the the various Clint Eastwood movies, this is how they work. This is how the Kurosawa movies work. It's yeah. and particularly early on in the second season that some of the best episodes where he's just, he shows up at a place and they have a problem and he fixes the problem and then he moves on. That's, that's how this works. Yeah, and I was like, I don't know. I, I think people just don't understand what the show is trying to do if they do give it a bad review like that. Because I think if you're looking at it in the context of this needs to be just like Grey's Anatomy, like it's not going to be anything like that. Like it's I don't know what they're trying to compare it to. So anyway, those are just some bad reviews I thought would be funny. Um, do you have anything else? Because we are approaching the like uh one hour mark already and that means we do that. have a tendency to do that yes yeah we uh, ramble. next episode we are going to start our rewatch of the mandalorian uh well, we're going to start with that one we're going to look at some of the other we're going to go back then and look at some of the other shows over time when we have time to fill but waiting for fingers crossed bad batch in the spring, which I want to look forward to watching at the same time I'm playing Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, my most hyped game ever. <laughs> uh, but we're going to start Mandalorian. I think we're doing two episodes per podcast episode. Is it one or two? We'll have to see how long we go with one and see if like, okay, we couldn't talk about it very long, you know, but if we ended up doing another hour long discussion on episode one, then I think, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see, uh, I think, but so right now this is technically episode zero of the Mandalorian season one. 
So this is just us generally talking about Mando. And then next week we'll talk about, you know. We'll jump into. Episode one, at least. We'll start, we'll start with episode one then. So that's what we can expect yeah. next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, I really had nothing else. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to bring up while we were on air? No, that's all for now. We're just going to be winging the ending, I guess, <laughs> until we can come up with something, you know, because it is Gold Squadron winging the ending. Winging the ending? Oh, God. Okay. Well, at least you didn't you say May the Force be with you. I will. I will. Watch me. <laughs> <laughs>